I mean, the Slavic community is huge. Yeah. And if they would engage, the state would look different. One of the things is so much has changed since the last time that we talked. Well, I mean, a lot of things have changed and none of them for the better. And that's because we have a leadership crisis in Oregon and Washington. We have a leadership crisis across the country right now who uh, do not have the best interests of our children at heart. And in fact, I think that our children are, are being targeted by an ideology in this country that seeks to implement communism. Uh, ultimately, we know that socialism always ends up in communism. And so uh, we're talking about that now openly in this country. No one can speak better into the void with regard to freedom and what happens when we lose our freedom than families like yours. You guys have actual people who have come from communism. You have stories that most of the people that lived that were born and raised here have no idea. They don't have those kinds of history in their families. And they're being taught in the school system that they've been lied to, that socialism is a, is a good idea. You know, Karl Marx and Lenin, boy, he was a great guy. And and you know different, right? And those voices need to be elevated. Those voices needed to. And I think the Slavic community has a very, very important role. I don't think it can be understated. But ordinary people need to get involved. Uh, the yeah. surest way for us to lose a fight is not to show up to fight. And one of the reasons I'm running for Congress is because I want to set an example to everyone else. I want to say this is what needs to happen. So Heidi St. John, mother of seven, I have a perfectly good job. I'm doing just fine. I don't need this gig. I don't need the job. I certainly don't need the money. I don't need the platform. I love this country. And that, that begs the question, do you love the country? And do you value freedom? Because if you do, you've got to engage. But we have an opportunity now, a window right now. The 2022 elections, I think, will go down as the most important elections that have taken place in this country in the last 75 years. You have an opportunity to engage right now. Run for city council, run for school board, run for parks and recreation. Start to engage in the political process, in the governance of the areas that you love. These are going to be the stories that we're going to tell our grandchildren. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. We're uh, really happy to have you. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. It's sunny outside, good. which is a nice change of pace. Yes, so it's good. <laughs> yes, I was uh, I was looking through the weather today. It, was, it looked like it was going to be raining, but looks yeah. like it's uh, clear. Well, yesterday and- we had you know hurricanes and tornadoes, and we had snow. We've had snow now in April, lots of it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy yes. to see the sun. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah so the Homeschool Resource Center. Yep. Last time I saw you, uh, we mm-hmm. were we had I think you know 1,200 students. We're at 1,600 yes. now. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing, the growth right. of the independent education system. And the place is called uh, Firmly Planted? Yeah, Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource right. Center. Yeah. Right. And I believe Yaroslav uh, also uh, takes uh, advantage of that resource, right? Uh, not yet. My wife said definitely next year because next we year. moved to a different program and, yeah, long yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> we need help is what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, we can help you, so it's good. Yes. Well, I, I was actually, and we, I, I was on your radio uh, just uh, last week, and mm-hmm. we talked about a teacher's roundtable that uh, I yes. was going to have this Wednesday, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that was very clear uh, from what teachers are saying, what teachers are saying, and this is not parents, even teachers right now are saying that take your kids out of yeah. public schools. Yeah. And that's where, that's where it's at now. You yeah. know, we, for a long time, you were saying it. You were one of the first. Mm-hmm. Then the, the parents were finally realizing that's the, the case. And now the teachers are even saying it. And uh, we can see why. We yeah. can see why. So we'll, we'll talk about that today and go over uh, some of the things. And you're also running for Congress, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And yeah. I think uh, last time we didn't really get into too much of this, but just really understand your position that you're running for. And I think a lot of folks who are listening uh, might be interested to know, you know, what your position is and, and mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, how it could help the Slavic community and everybody else as yeah, well. Yeah, good. So, um, but thank you for being here. I, I want to kick it off with maybe you can briefly uh, remind us about your story. And uh, you're originally from Portland. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, not too far from here. That's We're not right. too far from Birdsdale. That's so right. division in Birdsdale. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time there. I graduated from Portland Christian High School. So uh, uh, born in Portland and then spent quite a bit of time on a little hobby farm in Boring, Oregon with some goats. And it was a long chapter in my life that shall not be repeated. And uh, then we moved here to Gresham, and my husband and I met at Multnomah School of the Bible, which is mm. now Multnomah University. And we moved uh, to Washington State in 1999, and my husband was a pastor for nearly 20 years. We have seven children, soon to have four grandchildren. Our fourth grandchild is due on the 4th of July. I consider that to be a good sign. And uh, we've been in the homeschool movement now for about 25 years. I'm the author of eight books, we are the, the founders of the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center and MomStrong International. So we've been really uh, working with people and trying to help people, uh, offer them solutions, and train up a, a generation to know God's Word and know how to defend it uh, in a culture that's really upside down right now, really on its head. And, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us that God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and the path is pretty dark right now. Right. So uh, that's what we've been doing for the last, uh, about Jay and I are coming up on 33 years of marriage. Oh, that's so, awesome. Well, yeah. that's good to hear. And you were one of the first who were ringing the alarm. Uh, Dr. Dobson and yourself, uh, yes. you were one of the first. And, and uh, that was probably really hard back then when, you know, it was, it was probably one of the, you were one of the few. And um, what, what, the, what made you realize that was something that was going to be important? You were, again, uh, seeing it uh, ahead of time. And what back then that you saw that was uh, now happening? How did you, how did you know uh, this was going to happen? It was a little, it was just, I think, uh, discernment from, mm -hmm. from the Holy Spirit. My daughter, Savannah, was in school in Canby, Oregon. She went to Eccles Elementary School, and we lived in Wilsonville. And at the time, uh, we didn't, you know, we, I just figured, like most people, you know, you put your kid on a school bus, and the school does a thing that you don't know how to do, because after all, you weren't trained uh, to teach your child in reading, writing, and arithmetic. So at first grade, apparently, we don't know how to teach basic math to our children. That's what they tell us, right? And yeah. I believed that. Uh, it's, it's a lie, of course, but I believed, yeah. and I think most people do. And so Savannah was in the schools. She was coming home after school from the school bus, and I was having to have conversations with her that I felt were inappropriate for a child of seven years old. And I remember just thinking, I wonder if there's a better way. And at that time, if you'd have said to me, you know, you're, you're going to homeschool your kids, I would have laughed at you. The idea of being stuck all day at home with my child when a school bus would take her away for free and I could get a shower in relative peace just seemed uh, that was the that was the good thing. That's what I did. And I'm sure most most of the people that are listening to this, that's what their parents did. We We all went to traditional school. And I say we got schooled. We didn't get educated. We got schooled. And we've been schooled in how not to buck a narrative. We've been schooled in stand up, sit down. When the bell rings, this is what you do. And I started noticing in Savannah something that I felt uh, wasn't good for her. And at the same time, I knew people that were homeschooling. And even though I thought they were crazy, I noticed that there, there was a life in their families. They're, the kids were closer to their parents. There was a joy. Uh, and that was something that we wanted for our own family. And at the time, you know, our daughter Savannah is now in her 30s. She's a mother herself. But at the time, uh, we sort of experimented with her then younger sister, who's now nearly 30 herself. And she missed the cutoff for Eccles Elementary School by just a couple of weeks. And here I've got this bright, inquisitive, you know, I'm, I'm, I think my kid's the smartest kid in the whole world. I'm sure you think your children are the smartest in the whole world. And so I wanted her to be in school. So I went down to a homeschool supply store in Oregon City. 
And I said, listen, I'm not interested in homeschooling. I just want to do something to pass the time while I wait for my daughter to be old enough to be enrolled in the school. And he gave me a book called, uh, called Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And in 20 minutes a day, very quickly, I learned that I was able to accomplish with her more than it was taking the school seven hours a day to do. And not only that, but I enjoyed being with wow. her. And so at the end of that year, we pulled her older sister out of the public school system and we never looked back. The rest of our kids. So Savannah was the only one of our seven children that ever set put foot in a public school. And all the rest of the kids have been homeschooled. They've gone on to start their own businesses, their parents themselves. Savannah is homeschooling our grandchildren. Uh, it's been uh, a legacy of uh, that has been encouraging for our family and grown us closer as a family and closer to the Lord. Best decision uh, next to following the Lord, best decision we ever made as mm. a family. Awesome. And Yaroslav, what made you finally uh, make that decision? Uh, we had a couple cases too, <laughs> run-ins where we had to talk to teachers and principals. I think I shared it um, the last time we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but Heidi, we um, we had you on this program in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lots and a lot of our listeners then. are yeah. listening to us right now. Why are they going through the same questions? Why are they yeah. kind of going through the same list? And we kind of uh, just debated with Dimitri right before right. the um, program started. And one of the things is so much has changed since the last time that we talked that um, the, some of the stuff that we kind of... Um, thought would happen actually got solidified and it yes. actually happened and it's law now mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. no more conspiracies um, yeah, yeah no more conspiracy theories mm-hmm. um so so much has changed uh, can you kind of give us a rough uh idea of what some of the major things that sure. we might have talked about yeah. i don't know if you remember yeah. um i know crt was a big topic yes yeah well i mean a lot of things have changed and none of them for the better And that's because we have a leadership crisis in Oregon and Washington. We have a leadership crisis across the country right now. We have people at the helm of our nation, people in positions of leadership from our city councils to our school boards to our state positions who uh, do not have the best interest of our children at heart. And in fact, I think that our children are are being targeted by, uh, by an ideology in this country that seeks to implement communism. Ultimately, we know that socialism always ends up in communism, and so we're talking about that now openly in this country. And so when you look at what's happening in the schools, last time I talked to you, we were talking about critical race theory, you know, a terribly racist uh, uh, system of education that seeks to turn our children against each other. They believe that America is an inherently racist nation, which we know is not true. If you study the history of this country, you understand that America has done more than any other country on the face of the earth to fight racism. We are the least racist nation on the face of the earth. Do we have racists here? Yes. But is America a racist nation? No. And critical race theory is teaching our children to hate each other and to hate this country solely based on an immutable fact, something that you can't change, the color of your skin, your ethnicity, where you're from. Uh, It's a shameful thing. Critical race theory is now codified into law in Washington state in this last election in November. It was uh, voted into law. The, the, uh, the governor, Governor Inslee, has decided that it is mandatory now for every state official. If you're connected with the uh, education system, I don't care if you're a school bus driver or you work in the cafeteria or you're a teacher, you are mandated by law now to take what they call diversity, equity, and inclusion training and be trained in critical race theory. Well, why are they doing that? They're doing that because they know that this ideology is going to be passed on to children. It's a way to sidestep it. So you'll hear the the uh, the director of OSPI say, "Oh no, no, we're not that. We're not teaching that to the children." Uh, he's lying to you. Yes, they are. 
They're absolutely doing that. We lost referendum 90 in uh, in November. We lost that. And so that means now that comprehensive sex education is also the law in Washington state, starting in kindergarten. They're going to teach your children that they can choose their own pronouns and they can decide what gender they are. They are. This is a lie on its face, right? And we're watching uh, cultural Marxism come into our country, they know that if they can get you to admit to speak a lie, that lie eventually becomes accepted. And that's what they're trying to do. And so uh, I declared many years ago, a state of emergency in our public education system. This school system is cranking out, churning out by the hundreds of thousands every single year, kids who hate this country and want to see it remade. They believe in socialism. And if you uh, sit down and have an argument with them, they don't even know what they're talking about. There was a young man on my Facebook page the other day because I posted about socialism. And he said, well, how do you like that public park that you're using? What about that, you know, about that, uh, that, that police station? You know, that's socialist. You are a socialist. And I was like, okay, methinks you do not understand socialism. There's a difference between a social program and socialism, but these students don't know the difference. And it's very, very alarming. And and parents, you know, and I, I think I said this last time, this is going downhill very, very quickly. I read a book a long time ago uh, by Skousen called The Naked Communist. If you read uh, the manifesto there, this was part of their agenda was to do what they called a slow march through our education system. Well, they're not slow marching anymore. They're sprinting and they're not hiding the agenda because parents like me are onto it and we're trying to expose it. And we're trying to get parents to pull their children out of these schools. And that's what needs to happen. Well, you mentioned um, you briefly talked about the the um, the founders. And uh, one, one thing that you do at your school uh, that I think some of our listeners would might be interested in is the uh, constitution classes. Yes. And we just, just had uh, multiple programs there. We, we went over that. So folks yeah. are listening and they are want to get dive deep deeper into that. And I that, that's originally kind of what got me started to really get into this work is just really understanding the, the incredible um, nature of the constitution that we have in the United States and yes. how long it's, and I think we might have mentioned how long um, the Constitution has been around. Yes. Uh, that's very interesting as well. It's it's amazing, and I think most people don't know, that in other countries, the Constitution of all the other countries, mm-hmm. the longest that any of them have ever lasted is 17 years. Wow. Here in the United wow. States, ours is well over, obviously, 200 right. years old, the most amazing governing document ever created in the history of the world, and we are watching it systematically try to be disassembled right now, yeah. and we can never let that happen. We, can, we should be defending the Constitution. That's why uh, I'm so passionate about teaching it. So we're teaching biblical citizenship at the Homeschool Resource Center on Sundays from 3 to 5. It's free. we got about five weeks left. Anyone can come. It is so eye-opening to hear the Founding Fathers in their own words talk about why we have seven amendments or why we have seven articles in our Constitution, why there are 27 amendments, and each one of them what they mean, and at the same time give uh, a biblical apologetic for why the church must be involved in the political process. It's a, it's an incredible class. Right, right. Well, for those who are uh, listening to this and maybe watching this on YouTube, if you find if you think that's something that you would be interested in and in attending, uh, go ahead and just leave a comment below and uh, we'll uh, we'll reach out to you and let you know, uh, you know, if where those classes are or if we ever um, do come up with something that we can do for the Slavic community as well, we'll definitely reach out to you and, and let you know as well because it's definitely something that's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there's one going on in Salem uh, by a group there. There's one that you're doing, obviously. And uh, as far as I know, there's nothing going on here in Portland. So 
um, there's there's some talks about putting that together as well. Yeah. So well, it's so important. Liberty is a like a muscle, right? Yeah. So if we don't exercise it, we're going to lose it. And we watched this in the last uh, two and a half years with these uh, unconstitutional, illegal unscientific, uh, ridiculous mandates that came down. And most people just bent the knee because they didn't understand what their rights are. If you don't understand your rights, they're a lot easier to take away. Exactly, exactly. Well, before we get to I want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors for allowing us to be here on this program and all of our future programs. Some of the sponsors are Pilmeni Pilmeni, Nina Martina, a real estate broker, America's Best Realty, Exceptional Homes, Dreamhouse Construction, Imperial Cabinets, Solution 8020, Gold Cup Coffee House, Red Hills Construction, Ciberoni, Lanos Floral, Third House Media, and some others. Without these companies, without these organizations, we couldn't be on this program. And if you would like to be our next sponsor, reach out to us by visiting slavicvote.org. We would love to partner with you and further our mission. Thank you very much. Uh, so you're you're running obviously for a position that's very interesting, and mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to take a moment to just kind of uh, maybe break it down a little bit and help mm-hmm. folks understand uh, what it is, the importance of it, and how it could benefit the Slavic community if they really understood the full aspects of it. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm running for Congress, mm-hmm. so for Washington's third congressional district, which is Southwest Washington. So most people that live around here understand right. Southwest Washington, Skamania County, Clark County, Lewis County, Pacific, uh, Wakayakum. And uh, it's, a, it's a fairly large district, a fairly large swath of land. And the position is very important because these are the people, this is a federal position. So uh, it's, not a, it's not for the state house, it's in the federal government. The federal government right now is very much outside of its jurisdiction. If you study the, the history of our country, if you understand the founding fathers, they gave a very limited role to the federal government. But you wouldn't know that anymore because the federal government has grown way outside of, of the boundaries that were originally set up for them. And so one of the reasons I want to uh, go to Congress, A, is to bring a voice for common sense mm-hmm. for children to start talking about these issues from the position of, of, a, uh, of a federal representative. Critical race theory, by the way, is being funded by a grant in large part from the federal government. And so people say, well, the federal government is not in education. But they absolutely are in education. Uh, all you got to do is look at the Department of Education. And so we've got huge issues in our country. Uh, we are embracing things that are fundamentally uh, backward from what America was founded on. And I think the Slavic community should be very concerned knowing what it means, many of them, to immigrate here from countries that were taken over by socialism and communism. And they've seen this firsthand. Unfortunately, most of the people in our government have not. And so they're playing with fire. And to see people running for positions, I I would like to see a return of what I call the citizen statesman. In other words, a person who lives here and has raised their family here understands what it costs to put a gallon of milk on the table, which we know is rising every single day. Uh, But I would like to see limited government. The, The Constitution was set up so that the states had more rights. And right now we see the federal government with more rights. We see the the court system, our judiciary, they're legislating really from the bench. This is happening all over the country. And so I'm running to restore freedom. Uh, to the people of the United States and to shine a bright light 
on why our system of government is so good and why capitalism is the best system of government uh, in the world because it lifts people up out of poverty rather than push them down into it. And so we need to send voices like that uh, who believe in limited government. Uh, It's amazing as I travel Southwest Washington and I talk to families about the issues that are facing them. Uh, a lot of them have not even realized and until recently. You know, we're feeling it now at the pump, right? You, you feel it at, at the gas pump because yeah. uh, we've, we've watched as a Biden has shut down the Keystone Pipeline. We're actually asking Venezuela right now for oil. But America, we've got oil right here in the United States if we would just open it up and start drilling again. But we've decided to stop doing that, I think, largely because the left in this country is uh, very determined to make sure that we are dependent on foreign countries for our energy. We don't want to be energy dependent. We want to be energy independent. Uh, And so there are a lot of things that are broken in our government right now. And we need to start looking at our leaders. You know, if, if we continue to send leaders to the highest positions of authority in our country and to our school boards and our city councils who don't love this country and who don't value freedom, we will lose our freedom. Right, right. Well, there's, uh, you, you're running, obviously, for that position. Was there any other position that you were originally thinking and you kind of came up with this decision? Why no. this position? Yeah, and why, why for Congress? Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a great question? Because Heidi didn't start out running for city council. Right. I was like, let's just jump into the deep end and right. uh, swim with the sharks. <laughs> yeah. You know, that'll be fine. What was the thought process behind, behind that? I think you it would know, be a lot easier if you went for something. Uh, yeah. But it's been tough. Yeah. And this is, well, this is a very, this has been a difficult race. That's yeah. absolutely uh, certain. I'm running against a 10-year incumbent mm-hmm. and a guy who got the Trump endorsement, who is a Democrat from Portland running as a Republican in uh, in Southwest Washington. So it's a very interesting race that's happening right now. But uh, the reason I decided to run for Congress is because I'm a grandmother and I am sick and tired of listening to these voices that I have sent to represent me fail to do it. And Jamie Herrera Butler is the, the woman I'm running to replace. I voted for her all five times that she ran. So this will be her 10th year in the House of Representatives. She's voting for things like red flag gun laws. I'm a huge proponent of the Second Amendment. If they take our guns away from us, if they start to infringe on our right for, to self-defense, which the founding fathers, they came from that which is why they gave us the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was there to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government. And so this is very important. That's why they said the right of, uh, of an American citizen to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So when you see a representative vote to infringe upon your right to keep and bear arms, they need to go. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm voting. Uh, I'm running against uh, Jamie. I The reason I haven't run before now is because I've been raising children for the last 30 years. Uh, and it's the best thing that I have ever done with my life. It wasn't time for me to run when I had a house full of young children. And now most of our kids are grown. We're going to graduate our sixth uh, our sixth daughter from our homeschool next year. You have a big family, and so we have a wow. we have a big family, and uh, and I'm proud of them. You know, uh, I've raised seven children who love this country, and they can make their beds, and uh, so far, uh, five of the seven can hold down a job, and so I think that that's a win. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned uh, the position that you're running. Can you tell tell a little bit about like just uh, what exactly the, 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 would be your role essentially and what the job that you do and just kind of so folks understand you know what exactly that what position. would a day look like yeah in the yeah. from your understanding yeah yeah I'm sure you you know yeah well I'm sure lot. I'm going to have a yeah. lot to learn but exactly. the Congress really does control the purse spring, the purse strings right mm-hmm. Congress decides where money goes uh, the Congress the the the, the role of a good uh, representative is to listen to the people so to come back to Southwest. Washington, for example, where I'm from, and we start addressing the issues that the citizens 
governments are taking here. And then we go to Washington, D.C., and we are a voice for the people here. That's the role of a representative. So the federal government actually has a very limited scope, right? So the roads and bridges, uh, a, a huge issue right now is the I-5 bridge. And we just, you know, Joe Biden's in town today. Lucky us, you know, President Biden's in town. And he's, he's here to promote his infrastructure scam. And my job as a <laughs> as a representative would be to say, Look at look at what he actually wants to do. Tell the people in Southwest Washington the truth about these bills that are being put forward and then be a voice for freedom that would hopefully uh, keep our nation from going further and further into debt. Uh, the, the bridge is a great uh, is a great example of kind of what's wrong in politics right now. The citizens of Southwest Washington have said repeatedly over and over and over again, we do not want light rail coming from Portland into Clark County. And uh, the last they've only now uh, they announced today that there are only two options on, on the table now. Both of them involve light rail coming into Clark County, which the citizens yeah. here have said a resounding no to. We know we need a third bridge. Anyone that yeah. that goes across the bridges regularly like you and I do yeah. understands the problems, but so far we haven't had good solutions. I love to come up with solutions. It's part of why we created the Homeschool Resource Center. We saw a problem. We created a solution. I actually think that the citizens have more solution than the government officials ever will. And so uh, my job as a representative is to listen and put forth good legislation. It's to pay attention to the bills that are coming down from other legislators, raise the alarm about things that we shouldn't be voting for to protect life, right, to protect uh, the unborn look what's happening in, in California right now. They're, they just voted for infanticide in California. Uh, and this, why is this happening? Because we have bad leaders. And so uh, I want to be a voice for the people here and let them know what's going on. We should, we should have a voice in Washington, D.C. So I'm not going to say that I have all the answers, but I'll tell you what, we've got massive problems. We've got problems at our southern border. We're printing money. Uh, this country is living off of entitlements that we cannot afford. And we're pushing this debt further and further onto our grandchildren. You know, I have a nine-year-old grandson. And in just 10 short years, he's going to be an adult. And I wonder what this country is going to look like for him in 10 years from now. Right. And so I'm fighting really for them. Yeah, and it's, I think it's all really about money. Because the last time yes. um, my first uh, town hall meeting, actually, you were there. That's when you got the question asked when they had the Planned Parenthood group stand up. I was yes, there. Yes, yes. Uh, the second one I went to was actually in um, kind of Camas, Washougal area, right by the water. Yep. Um, and from what I understand, Oregon was bankrupt at that point from PERS. Oh, yeah. They, they oh, absolutely. They had like stage three PERS already because I have a yeah. friend that works in the fire yeah. department and he's like, um, yeah. Yeah, so we paid into this times. pension and now we're not going to get it because the system's bankrupt because so we the, don't know basic economics. So the visit mainly is probably more financially based. Like what can we get to actually build this? Yeah. So the yeah. job of a representative really is to secure funding. But if you if you look at it uh, beyond, beyond that, we need to look beyond that because what happens is in the name of securing funding, that's where earmarks come from. That That's where the, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you look at Biden's ridiculous infrastructure bill, you'll notice that there's money there that they've set aside because the radical environmentalists want to discover, want to uh, study the effects of climate change on pregnant women. Well, do you want to pay for that? I didn't think so. Most most of the average voters don't understand yeah. the kinds of uh, the pork they call it pork, right? This these little things that they're sticking into these bills. This is why we wind up with nine thousand page bills. Right. And so they're asking our legislators to vote on bills and half the time they don't even know what's in them. 
And we've, we all heard Nancy Pelosi famously say many years ago when they were trying to shove, uh, trying to shove uh, Obamacare down our throats, we got to vote for the bill so you can know what's in it. Well, no, we don't. That's backward. We understand what's in the bill and then we vote. But the, but the government is broken. And we, we, have, a, we have disingenuous leaders uh, in almost every position of authority, we see this even on our school boards when parents want to go and uh, and talk to the school boards. They're labeled by our federal government as domestic terrorists. Well, something's wrong. Yeah. And so there are ma- major issues. I, I believe that we're going to live to see very, very soon uh, Roe versus Wade overturned. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen. People, which I've been praying for for years. Uh, the, the, again, this the uh, SCOTUS should have never been involved. And this is a state's rights issue. This is a 10th Amendment issue. This should never have gone to the federal government. This is a state's rights issue. So a lot of people don't understand that when uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned, and I think it will be, uh, it doesn't. It won't make abortion illegal in the country. It will kick it back to the states, and the states will decide. And that is what it, that is where it should have been in the first place. And so we can make. I also think people feel overwhelmed by what they see happening in the federal government. We recognize, you know, here in, in Oregon for sure, and it's same thing is true in Washington. Uh, we are outnumbered. You know, li- the liberals out, outnumber for sure uh, uh, conservatives. But most people don't understand we only have to flip a few seats in order to gain back the majority. And so it's not, uh, it's not outside of the scope of possibility, but ordinary people need to get involved. Uh, the yeah. surest way for us to lose a fight is not to show up to fight. Right. So yeah, I mean, if you look on the map, it's just amazing. I mean, it's like it just there's there's King County, and then there's the rest of Washington, right? And, and that's like, Portland. What is going on? Yeah. Yep, there's Multnomah <laughs> County, yeah. and then there's the rest. But a lot of these people that are in the outlying areas yeah. are not voting, and this is a crisis in our country. In Washington, in in uh, in Washington's third congressional in the last election, only thirty six percent of people came out to vote. Thirty six percent. We can't change anything at 36%. We happen to live in a system that relies on participation in order for it to work. And so these people that have been in, in, our, in our government, Nancy Pelosi comes to mind, Chuck Schumer, that have been there and they're in there for decades, and then people, com- they complain, well, why can't we get them out? Well, maybe it's because you're not participating, right? And so uh, this idea that, and also that we vote and then we just walk away and go home, we've done our part. No, you hold your elected officials accountable. You make sure that they come home, that they hold town halls, that they're talking to you about the issues that are coming down. You know, every week in uh, in Congress, new bills are coming forward. And it's the job of a representative to look at those bills to decide, is this or is it not in the best interest of the people that I am representing? And if it's not, it's a flat out no. I don't care how much pork is in it. I don't care how many earmarks you give me. I don't care how many little winks and a nod. If it's not good for the country, if it pushes the country into more fiscal despair, then we cannot continue to vote for these things. And it won't change unless we send uh, people who are conservative and want to roll that back and protect the future generations from that kind of tyranny. Well, and we, we talk all the time, the importance of the Slavic community, because that if the Slavic community at least votes, that'll already uh, really shift the scales. Yes. uh, 100%. Well, and so that's why, like, we have that event that's coming up. How, how, what would you say? How important is for folks to be at events like that to meet the candidates, to get to know them, uh, like yourself and others? How important do you think for the Slavic community to just get more engaged? And how will that shift uh, what's going on here in Oregon and Washington? Well, oh my goodness, I mean, the Slavic community is huge. Yeah. And if they would engage, the state would look different. Yeah. 
uh, I actually think we could we would see better schools. We would we would see uh, it, the state would the demographics would change dramatically. And so and by the way, the other side of the aisle knows that. And so right. they try to suppress the vote by saying, oh, your vote doesn't matter. And, you know, just don't get engaged. Yeah. But the truth is, if they would engage, we would see huge yeah. changes. And so it's very important. You can't look at a, a voter's pamphlet, for example, and go, well, I've done my homework. People can say whatever they want to in a voter's pamphlet. You know, I read those things. I don't even read them anymore. I just throw them in the garbage right. because that's all they are is trash. Right. People say, you know, that's just the that's just the uh, the candidate putting his best foot forward. But what you want to do is go in and meet him in person. You can get a vibe about a person. Yeah. Uh, when you meet them. And I have been doing, you know, town halls all over Southwest Washington. I happen to love the people here. And I think that our best days are ahead of us. Having come from the Pacific Northwest, I know a lot of people who are moving out of this area because they're discouraged. They're frustrated by the politics here. Well, uh, I'm going to fight for this area. I think it's worth fighting for. And I would love to see the Slavic community engage. No one can speak better into the void with regard to freedom and what happens when we lose our freedom, then families like yours, you guys have actual people who have come from communism. You have stories that most of the people that lived that were born and raised here have no idea. They don't have those kinds of histories in their families. And they're being taught in the school system that they've been lied to, that socialism is a, is a good idea. You know, Karl Marx and Lenin, boy, he was a great guy. And, and you know different. Right. And those voices need to be elevated. Those voices needed to. And I think the Slavic community has a very, very important role. I don't think it can be understated. Right. And there, there's quite a bit of them in Vancouver area. Yes. I mean, it's, it's the, that's where a lot of them really concentrate. And they keep on moving there because they're moving out of Portland. So it's only growing there. So it's well, Portland. Portland. I mean, is it, it's sad. Yeah. You, you, I don't go into downtown Portland anymore. And my husband and I, it's when we were dating, place. yeah, it's a sad place. When when uh, when my husband and I were dating, that's where we went on our on our fancy date. You know, down yeah. to the down to the waterfront. We used to watch. You know, the the orchestras would come out in the summertime. And now you go down there, you're literally taking your life in your hands, because these ridiculous people that we have allowed to ascend to positions of authority have defunded the police. They're telling they're ushering in chaos, which I frankly think is what this government wants. They want chaos because and I and I want your listeners to hear this because we've seen this play out in other nations around the world. The, the the left in this nation loves the chaos because when it gets to a point where there is a fever pitch of chaos and people are dying in the streets, which they are right now, eventually the plan is that they'll swoop in and say, we're here to help. And then you got the brown shirts. Now you've got the government coming in and taking over because we have, wait for it, a state of emergency. That's where this is headed. And if we want to keep our freedom, if we value freedom, we, we must engage now. Now is the time to engage. Yeah. Yeah, if we don't if we don't learn from history, then we'll be doomed to repeat it. Yeah, which so, is why the schools won't teach it. Yeah, exactly, and th that is definitely unfortunate. I know in Oregon, they um, I don't know if, if history is one of the things, but they removed uh, uh, as one of the qualifications to graduate uh, some of those you know credentials. You, you we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. You no longer that. in Oregon State, yeah. you no longer have to be proficient proficient in reading or math. Yeah. So while China. They're educating their kids. I mean, oh, my goodness, those kids are sharp as a tack. They're edging, they, they have very, very high standards there. The kids in the United States are learning about pronouns. The kids in the United States are woke. We're learning about gender inequality and what it would take for you if you wanted to, Dimitri, to transition into a woman, and they're going to make you feel really good about it. Well, what is that going to say for our country if we ever are attacked by a foreign country? What, where were our, where, will, will our children be ready to, uh, to step up and defend this country? 
you know, while we're turning our brains to mush over issues that are made up in our heads. No, we are doing irrevocable harm to our children and ultimately to our nation. And that is the goal. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so you're, you're the position that you're running for. Um, obviously, your main, you know, your passion about education is there. Uh, what are the, some of the things that uh, that you'll be responsible that could turn things around in education? Can you think of anything and, and uh, what are your plans to implement some of those? Well, I think the Department of Education needs a full audit. Mm-hmm. I'd like to actually see it go away. That's what I hear. Uh, the, the, the National Educators Association is probably one of the most corrupt unions in the entire mm-hmm. country pushing, about that just last yes, week. pushing these radical agendas and our money. As yeah. you well know, uh, teachers who are in these unions who don't even want to be in them, their money is funding this stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we've been trying to give uh, parents, you know, we will be defending the Janus, uh, the Janus decision, mm-hmm. which we know the Biden administration is keen to overturn. Right. And so keeping our eyes on things that keep us free, uh, free to talk about what is happening in our schools. So if the Department of Education were to undergo an audit, I guarantee you it won't pass. Right. We have to be asking real questions about where our money is going. There are so many uh, government agencies and organizations. For example, do you know uh, what's going on in the Department of Commerce? Mm-mm. No, but they are spending billions of dollars, and most Americans don't even know what they're doing. I'd like to see them defend it. Defend how come you're spending all this money. I'd like to see the Department of, 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 of Justice go undergo an audit. Defend yourself. Right. Tell us why we should trust you with all of this money that you're taking out of the out of the hands of American citizens who often don't even know where that money is going. So I'd like to see an audit happen for many of these government agencies. And I'd like to see the power return to the states in right. terms of education. Uh, the federal government should not be giving money to any form of critical race theory. So that could stop immediately. We're giving funding to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is putting these ridiculous clinics in our high schools all over the country and they're promoting abortion. Right. So we're promoting radical, uh, radical sex education. This is not the sex education that we grew up with. I mean, a lot of parents say, oh, Heidi, you're just a prude. You don't want our kids to know about reproduction. No, this goes way beyond that. This has really very little to do with reproduction and very much to do with unsafe uh, sexual activity that is being promoted to children as young as five years old. And it's a tragedy. And I think part of what uh, what makes a position in Congress so important when it comes to education is you can shine a light on it. You know, a Congress, uh, a representative of Congress can shine a light on this stuff and call a press conference and I might not be able to vote on it, but you can. You see what I'm saying? Right. And so it's more than just what comes down from uh, from Nancy Pelosi, from the Speaker of the House, what bills are coming are being put forward by other members of Congress. We have an opportunity as members of Congress to keep the American people abreast of things that they may not hear about and may not understand. And that, to me, is an incredible opportunity. Yeah, it's so interesting that your position is um, would be so broad. Like, it sounds like you're going to be representing District 3, which is big. I mean, I'm looking for move out of this area a little bit sort of <laughs> not too far in washington and so i kind of know what the counties are like um but again the decisions that you're having to kind of vote on or filter through are more like not just statewide so you're not representing just district three you're representing state well it will have an effect on the state then absolutely yeah, um, yeah. My it's question, a federal seat. you mentioned something that the Constitution, the way it was formed, gave states more power than the federal government, so there wasn't that overreach. Uh, how do you see that between Washington and the counties? Like, mm-hmm. let's say your district, is there like that overreach? Because I know a lot of stuff with like mass mandates. Well, we know that whole thing. Um, did, does that happen internally within the state? 
And that's something that you'd be able to have more say in. Yeah. So the federal mask mandate came down from Joe Biden, right? Yeah. Massive overreach. And yep. Yep. And the vaccine mandate too. that came down. So we grew up, at least I did in school, hearing that we had three co-equal branches of government. Mm -hmm. Did you guys, you probably were taught the same thing. Well, guess what? Newsflash, they're not co-equal. The, the founding father said that the legislative branch was supposed to have the most power. Why? Because the legislative branch is closest to the people. Because the legislators go and they represent the people. They're supposed to put forward legislation that the people want. But what you see right now is the power is not at the people. The power is in the lobbyists. So he who has the most money gets the legislation. So that's backwards. That's part of what I was saying about, about the broken government. As far as a federal seat, the job of the federal government, and this is true of Congress also, the focus is supposed to be on transportation, right? So that we know that uh, as a federal a federal oversight and federal responsibility, we want to make sure that we can get from Washington State to Virginia. If we decide to drive that far, which you can do it, I do it all the time. If you decide to drive that far, we want to know that the roads and bridges are going to work to get us there, right? So that infrastructure, that's why you see Congress voting on infrastructure bills. Why in the world are we studying the effects of, of uh, climate change on pregnant women in a transportation bill? I'd really like to know. That's the kind of stuff that they're getting in there, and they're doing it under the guise of the Green New Deal. The Democrats hate cars, by the way, because they hate freedom, right? So the more dependent we are on big systems of transportation, on big government, they want us dependent on those things. So I think the job of, of the, the, the job of a state representative also is to keep an eye on the border, right? We're watching uh, very, very quickly. Uh, Joe Biden is poised to, uh, to repeal uh, Title 42, and so that is a, something that was put in place during the pandemic so that in the in the case of an emergency, a health emergency, local officials could decide to close down the border to slow the influx of people coming across our southern border. This is the job of the federal government. You're the congressmen and women, the, the men and women of the Senate. This is their job to secure the borders. If we don't have a border, we don't have a nation. And so that is very important, right? We, so those discussions are on a broader level, immigration, right? Broad level discussions. We were asked the other day, what do you think about bringing uh, refugees over from Ukraine? Well, the United States has a long and proud history of welcoming refugees to this country, people who are seeking asylum. I'm all for refugees. But when you conflate what's happening with refugees looking for asylum and coming over here from war-torn countries to the people who are coming across our southern border who have no regard for our law, and no regard for our border, those people, I think, are acting unlawfully. That's a different, that's, those are two different discussions. Those are discussions that, are, that happen at the federal level. The federal government is responsible for the funding of our military. Right now, uh, our military is in a terribly weakened position because we're focused so much on wokeness, the wokeness in the military and transgenderism in the military. Uh, we're not focused on readiness. We're focused on pronouns. So this is also in the oversight and the purview of the federal government. And so those things translate into Southwest Washington, for example, talking about uh, green energy and how that's going to affect uh, our, 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 our timber industry, no which is huge here. 30, 20, right. This is ridiculous. Right. This is the Green New Deal. These are people who want to see us. This goes back to what I was saying before. They want us dependent on the government. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be dependent on anyone. I want to be independent. This is this is the declaration of independence, and they want to take us back to being dependent. And so the federal government has a very, very important role, but equally as important, and in, in many cases, I would say more important, is what's happening locally. We need to know who is sitting on our city council. 
So if you want to talk about uh, solutions, for example, for all the tents that are popping up all over now in southwest Washington, I mean, it's disgusting. And people say we have a homeless crisis. No, we don't. That's not a homeless crisis. These people are choosing to put their homes there and their home is a tent. That's not homelessness per se. We've got, uh, and, and certainly there are people that, that, uh, that wind up in that situation because of the loss of a job or because of a divorce or, but what we're, <laughs> or housing prices. But by and large, these are people who are addicted to drugs. These are criminals. We've got people with mental illness. Listen, I grew up in this area. What would have happened, uh, what would have happened in 1987? If Heidi St. John would have pitched a tent at the corner of Chuck Levin Mill Plain, what do you think would have happened? You wouldn't be there for too long. No. The police would have come over and they would have knocked on my door and they would have said, Hi, Heidi, I see that you're pitching a tent uh, right here at the corner of Chuck Levin Mill Plain. Uh, this isn't where we pitch tents. Right. right. Well, if I mentioned And they're not that doing that anymore. There's a candidate that we, that's running for governor that we had on, and she uh, actually was uh, alcoholic for a long time, mm-hmm. and she was uh, almost homeless, if, if not homeless. And Living she's, in a car, she, I think. Yeah, yeah. She, t- she talks about all the time how if she was... Uh, if she was homeless right now in, in that situation, she would probably not survive. She'd be homeless forever. Exactly. But yeah. because of what's happening, it's, in, yeah. it's enabling yep. uh, the, these folks to, yep. to, to do this life. So it's not a loving thing to do. It's, it's, it's the opposite. Well, you know what you see in our elected officials, and this is why I'm telling people, pay attention to who's on your city council. Pay attention who's on the county council. These people lack the political will to do what is right. And what is right is to get these people the help that they need. And either you either you get help. We, there are there are dozens and dozens of government organizations and NGOs who are committed to helping people clean their lives up, to get off of drugs, to get a job. Those options are available. But most of the people that you see pitching a tent under the under the bridges in uh, Southwest Washington and Portland, that's not what they're interested in. And it's amazing. I was just driving on the Banfield the other day. I saw a car up in blocks. These are people who are clearly criminals, right? These are cars that are stolen. They've got catalytic converters coming out their ears. These are criminal enterprises. And what you see are people in government right now who lack the political will to address these issues. We can change them. We just have to have new leadership. You mentioned something really interesting, and that's kind of like a canary in a coal mine effect uh, of having people in Congress that get to see the bills that are being passed through. can you kind of explain to us what happened? Uh, I know with the Russian community, everything kind of went. Right. Everybody woke up at all at one moment. And you might even know the name of the bill. I don't remember. Uh, it was 63, the one in Oregon. Yeah, the one in Oregon. And then Olympia Oregon, kind of caught on too. Because um, they told us later that if we could have caught this bill that was still in public hearing, right, we could have right. stopped it. Right. Like, was there nobody there at that point that would have sounded the alarm because it sounds like we came a little bit too late to the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, sure. I mean, I know going to Olympia and protesting is good, but mm-hmm. that's not what gets things changed. No, it isn't. And I'm, I'm glad that you, that you brought that up. So this is, this uh, kind of, it goes to what we're seeing happen with the truckers, you know, the, the trucker convoys and people waving flags on the interstate, you know, overpasses and people yeah. doing those rallies. I love those things because it brings people together, but it doesn't change the It doesn't move the needle. It doesn't change legislation. And the only way that we will ever be able to find out, the reason that you don't find out about these bills is because they don't want you to find out about them. It goes back to leadership. Everything is about leadership. So who are the people that are representing you in the state house, in Olympia and in Salem? If they don't value freedom, 
if they don't value your rights as an individual, you're not going to hear about this legislation until it's too late. And in many cases, I mean, this was certainly uh, true for the sex education bills that were coming before. I was taking busloads of parents. Dimitri, you may remember this. I was taking busloads of parents up to Olympia uh, several years ago. We had to get up at three in the morning and meet at the parking lot at U.S. Digital at four in the morning to take a bus up there to get in line by six in the morning and Planned Parenthood almost always beat us there because they're paid lobbyists, right? So they paid, they, they pay them to have a fancy dinner. They're eating, you know, steak and caviar across the street at the, uh, at the Capitol hotel, getting a good night's sleep and getting up at five 30 and they're still beating us there. And we got parents who are having to try to find babysitters and it's a lot of work yeah. to stay involved in the legislative process. And I think people have been discouraged lately because I just figure, well, what's the point? You know, yeah. why are we even trying? And one of the reasons I'm running for Congress is because I want to set an example to everyone else. Right. I want to say this is what needs to happen. So Heidi St. John, mother of seven, I have a perfectly good job. I'm doing just fine. I don't need this gig. I don't need the job. I certainly don't need the money. I don't need the platform. I love this country. And that, that begs the question, do you love the country? And do you value freedom? Because if you do, you've got to engage. Right. And, uh, and so that's why when, when they pass these bills in the dead of night, that's actually happening, right? And it's uh, it's happening on purpose, right. but it won't change with the leadership that we have in it now. It's just going to continue. Right. Well, I think what we're seeing is an agenda being pushed yes. down, and instead of uh, you know looking at the laws and you know the laws when they when they're trying to make these laws, the the goal is to outreach to the people and see what they want. Is this something that they want? Is this something that they don't want? And then you decide on that in many ways. But instead, they're trying to hide. Uh, yes. this as much as possible and then just push it through and uh, push down an agenda essentially is what it is. So um, we, we definitely talked a lot about um, kind of the darker side of things, but we, we, we on your show, we talked about the, the hope, right? I yeah. think there's hope. There is. Uh, there's always hope. And uh, I wanted to just kind of, as we kind of close down this program, I wanted to close it on the positive note and talk about the hope that you have. Obviously you're running because you're not, you don't have your, your hope is still there. You're running yes. because you see that there's change coming mm -hmm. and uh, talk a little bit about hope. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, we only have to flip a few seats to see yeah. this change. And, and I think we're starting to see the return of the citizen statesman. I think we're starting to see more people get involved. I've seen more, uh, more movement in the Slavic community. And I've been working with the Slavic community for a long time, uh, mostly trying to talk about education and taking your kids out of the schools. We are seeing that happen now. We are seeing parents take back the responsibility for raising their children. We're starting to see people show up to town halls. They want to know how they can get involved. We're watching people come down in droves to uh, sign up to canvas their areas, to get out to become poll watchers so they can be involved in the elections. This is how a representative government works. And I believe, and we talked about this last time, uh, and you and I have discussed this too, I believe our best days are ahead of us. Our best days, I wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I'd move. You know, uh, if if I thought it was a lost cause, I wouldn't be running for Congress. Right. I don't think it's a lost cause. I think it's uh, I think it's a worthy cause. And so if we can if we can engage, if we can wake people up, wake the voters up out of their slumber and say, hey, we've got an opportunity right now to change the trajectory that this country is on to restore liberty, to restore freedom so that our children can tell stories of freedom to their children. That is why we're doing this. And we have a tremendous opportunity right now. There are wonderful people. There are wonderful people that are running for office right now. Right. And I've been telling people, get involved in these races. If, uh, if you know, people who are listening to me right now, they can support my run for Congress. They can go to HeidiStJohnForCongress.com and they can help me. It takes money. I wonder what would happen 
if we all did our part. Some of us are called to run. Others of us are called to do what you guys are doing and, and make people aware, get the word out. Other people are called to put their money behind these candidates and help them with yard signs and ads for the radio and mailers and all the things. It takes a lot of work. But the founding fathers knew that and they thought it was worth it. And they said it would cost you your time, your treasure and your sacred honor. And what would you get in exchange for those things? Right. You would get freedom. Right. And that's right. what this is about. Right. I think some of the listeners might be wondering, if you didn't have hope, which state would you choose to move? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, we say Florida, but, but, but listen, this is important. So Ron DeSantis, who doesn't love Ron DeSantis, right? Everyone does. Well, Ron DeSantis, you know, everyone has a crush on him. You guys do, too, uh, I can tell. I think you met him. actually beating Florida by, uh, by growth. Yes. Uh, for how many well, actually I'll tell you, him. the leadership crisis in this country is real. And Ron DeSantis won his election by a razor thin margin against mm. a socialist. Wow. And so he could lose. And then you guys move down there and you got lizards wow. the size of your face. <laughs> so I choose to stay here. You know, there are a lot of places I travel for a living. A lot of places in this country that I love. I actually love the state of Kentucky. It reminds me of here with its rolling hills. They don't have mountains like they do here. Uh, a friend moved to Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky, first, Williams, yeah, Williamstown, yeah. Kentucky, out there by the Ark Encounter with my friend, uh, with my friend Ken Ham. Obviously, love Texas. I don't know if I could do the heat. Not really used to yeah. that. Same thing with Florida. I love Florida. Like in January, super love it in right. January. I think the Pacific Northwest is an ideal, yeah. beautiful, wonderful place to live. I have no intentions of leaving. I'm going to fight for this place, and I hope uh, I hope your listeners will fight with me. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, we have things like the events that we mentioned already multiple times. You you're, you talk about you know how folks can help you as well. Uh, I want to kind of finish this program kind of on call to action. You know, I yes. want to give that floor to you and, and just uh, plead to the community how important their vote is matters. How important for them to get involved and active and just uh, you know it's not it's not, not not there's no more time to just sit and watch. No. You talk about all the time to get off the bench. So uh, mm-hmm. if you want to just maybe look at the camera and just yeah. call to action those folks that might be, you know, looking for things to do and they want to do something. Yeah, well, uh, and we've said it here many times today, the hour is late. Yeah. And so we're watching our country, something we've never seen before. We're watching socialism being openly debated on the floor of the House of Representatives. We're seeing policies put forward that put our children at risk. But we have an opportunity now, a window right now. The 2022 elections, I think, will go down as the most important elections that have taken place in this country in the last 75 years, because they will determine if we can change the course of this country and if we decide that we no longer are interested in sending career politicians to represent us, but we want to see people that are coming from our areas and understand our issues and share our values, go to government and shape it. This is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And when the people engage, when we engage for the sake of our grandchildren, you know, there's a difference between a politician and a patriot. A politician is looking from one election to the next. A patriot is looking from one generation to the next. And my husband and I have been fighting for the next generation for over 30 years, and we're going to continue to do that here in Southwest Washington. But you have an opportunity to engage right now. Run for city council, run for school board, run for parks and recreation. Start to engage in the political process, in the governance of the areas that you love. And I think when we do that together, we are going to see we can clean up our streets. We're going to see a change in the way that our children are treated in schools. And we're going to see a change for the for this next generation that I think these are going to be the stories that we're going to tell our grandchildren. Yeah, we talked about hope and I, I have hope as well. Uh, we see uh, folks like you know, like yourself, we see Andre enough, right? With yes, Flash Love and absolutely. what he's doing there. I think those are some of the things that will turn this around. And uh, folks who are listening to us, if they get more active, I think that'll things turn things around. So, oh, yeah. 
for sure. No question. Um, you, you mentioned a few ways of folks can help you out. Uh, where can they find you and what's the best way to keep track of your, uh, your race? Yeah, so people can find me at uh, Heidi St. John for Congress. And uh, we have an office that's located off of Parkway and Battleground. We need volunteers. So we're getting ready to start a massive um, canvassing program where people can go out and start helping us uh, get the word out about my race. And I'm hoping you don't have to live in Southwest Washington to come and help me do that. If you'd like to see uh, a yeah. voice like mine represent the people of this area, we need help. So Heidi St. John for Congress.com. If you're interested in the Homeschool Resource Center, yes. uh, that is located in Vancouver. And you can find out more about that at Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center, FPHRC.org. Yeah. It's the happiest place yes. in the entire area. Yeah, every time I'm there, it's always busy. There's yeah. uh, just there's so a coffee shop there. We yes. source our Great own coffee. coffee. We harvest our own honey there. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful, That's wonderful awesome. place. Awesome. Yaroslav, anything last you wanted to add? Well, I think we're good to wrap up. Yeah. Well, it was a great program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in. Yeah, you're watching Slavic Vote Live. I hope you follow us on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, on, on YouTube, and stay in touch with us. And we hope to see you this Sunday. Uh, I think it's going to be a great event where you'll learn a lot. Thank you for tuning in to Slavic Vote Live. We really appreciate you listening to this program. Don't forget to click that like button, subscribe, and share this program with your friends and family. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much and have a great day. Many people will sit and complain when something hurts, but so few actually go to do something about it. And it's not that people don't want to, it's where do you begin, right? future is bright because I see a community rising up and saying, hey, we're going to do something about this. We're not just talking about this. We're not just complaining about it, but we're taking steps. Now, all of a sudden, you see the, the argument isn't between Democrat and Republican. The argument is between liberty and tyranny. Organizations that are doing a lot of good out there, but unless you know the right people, and I'll admit this right now, unless you know the right people, you won't get the money. Uh, the whole Slavic Vote initiative that you have all gotten underway because it's so absolutely critical that people get registered to vote and vote. Программа Славик Ваутлайф каждую неделю в прямом эфире Славик Ваутлайф.